Running Sentences presents Pirates, Politics, and Potentially Treasure, Book 2, Part 4, A Storm of Pain. Everyone continues their struggle to get what they want. Not everyone is going to get what they want, though, and fights are breaking out across the galaxy to do whatever they want. This story is written and narrated by Michael Honore. It is a work of fiction, so any names, characters, businesses, events, and situations within this story are products of the author's imagination. Any resemblance to real people, events, characters, businesses, and or fictional businesses, characters, events, and so on, is purely coincidental. Copyright 2023, Michael Honoring. All rights reserved. To his great surprise, Vic found himself led out of his new bedroom into a dining room, one where the king and queen of the Grogian Empire were sitting. The two had serious but quiet expressions on their faces, as the meal had just begun with the plates being put down right in front of them. When they saw him, though, both rose from their seats and signaled for him to sit down far away from them, but they were still in close enough to be able to talk to one another. So, welcome to our home. Uh, thank you, uh... Puzzled by this reception, he did as he was bid to do and sat down. There was soon food put in front of him as the two royals sat down to resume their meal. You have questions, no doubt, about why you're here and still alive. Well, this is certainly a different tone from our meeting at that jail, so if I do say so... Being sweet and helpful is more conducive to getting cooperation. I'm sure you're well aware of that, though, being a politician. Yes, yes, I was. Um, why do you need me here, you two? We are resuming our power over the entirety of the kingdom. You are no longer needed for your political services. Yes, you aren't needed in that capacity, but if you would urge the people to accept us, that would be appreciated. That's why I'm here. He looked between the two, unsure that this was entirely all that they were offering. No, 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 entirely no. Your family comes from a line of shipping merchants who know a thing or two about the black spot on our map. In our territory, so to speak. Though they never told me anything about it. How terrible for you not to be let in on the secret treasure trove that your family was a part of hiding away. They might not have trusted you at all, then. One guess as to why that might be. We, however, know that you know more than you are letting on. Mr. Vic, you are not a simple man, nor a simple politician. Uh, tell us how to get to the black spot, if you would be so kind. To get through it, I mean. A lurch of emotions came over Vic as he tried to keep up. From the pit of his stomach to the top of his head, it felt like his body wanted to separate from his soul. Or the other way around. I don't know much about that. Do you not? Were our sources wrong, Queen? Oh, of course not, my dear. The opposition party would never lie when their head is on the line, and, uh, well, she did say an awful lot about a lot of things. More rumblings went through Vic, who closed his eyes. There was no escaping any of this. 
nor escaping lineage, which was a bunch of bullshit anyway. His parents had abandoned him after all to go on some cargo mission of extreme importance and then never returned or really told him anything prior to their departure. I think that whoever told you what they were telling you was lying to you to get you to be nice to them. Besides, you've probably had my entire family home and all of my relatives' homes searched for answers already. No, 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 we would never do that without permission. We aren't the government formally in power, after all. We respect things. Well, hon, we are, but uh, we are formally in power who gave things up to the betterment of our people and then discovered that the ones in power are money-grubbing cowards, so we have to take it all back. The queen smiled and nodded along. If it weren't so odd to be sitting here, Vic was sure he'd have thought the entire thing was a prank of some sort. They didn't tell me anything, you two. Maybe they hinted at it, but I was a kid, so I don't remember any of it. Well, you better remember, once this peace is settled, we're going there, and you're coming with us. His eyes, which had been firmly shut as he tried to think and not take in too much information about what was going on since it was all confusing, he opened them, as he sat back in his chair. The only, the only thing that was that came from that black spot that he knew about were horror stories and maybe one or two people who'd managed to get out, but they always told wild tales, so maybe they weren't so believable. And this was the last thing he really wanted to be thinking about, since it wasn't any fun. The three soldiers that had entered the apartment had forced the now six inhabitants of the place to sit down. There was nowhere to really sit, though, so Tulis, Cordite, and Francis had sat on the ground, and the rest had taken to leaning against a nearby wall. No one had bothered to speak ever since they'd entered, leading to a small standoff between them. My name is Captain Block, and I'm here for the princess, but since the prince is here as well, he needs to come with me. Why would we do that? Your parents wish to make amends for their behavior. Highly unlikely. Yes, I know, which is why it took me by such surprise when they said it. If you don't mind, we can go confirm it with them if you follow me. We aren't fools. Why do they want to reunite with them? They said they want to apologize but and make amends, but uh, nobody trusts royals, if I'm honest. I was not made privy to those details of things. This Captain Block looked over at Cordite with a glare, simply told that they wished to talk to them and have them back home. Then pirates have no part in any of this, we can leave. Taking a further step in, Captain Block held out both hands to show some form of innocence. Unsure of what to make of that, though, the group remained silent. We only want the prince and the princess. The rest of you are free to go about your business. You have not presented something to make us trust anything you say. It's all words from you, sir. And my duty is to protect these two. I cannot hand them off simply because you said so, Block. Yes, and an admirable job you've done, Volo. Now stand down as an order from the king and queen. 
I speak for them in this matter, and there is no need to run it up the chain of command. It ends with them, it ends with me. And what occurs if no one wants to leave, sir? Then you stay here, and eventually you'll either be forced out, or your parents will come to you. I'm here on friendly terms, so anything that comes after me won't be so pretty or easy to deal with for your group. Another moment of silence came over them. This was broken by Cordite, getting to his feet with a rough motion. He felt like his joints weren't happy in this atmosphere, and thus the slowness of it all. We would welcome the king and queen to come down here. But we make no promises that we will be here. We will be watching this place. You cannot escape it. Nothing more than a challenge to find the route of least resistance, sir. So leave and let the escape games begin. They don't want to go with you, and your half-hearted attempt to get them to has failed. So goodbye. The officer took on a grumpy look that said it all. Then, with a bow, he retreated out the door with the two guards that he brought in. The door was then slammed shut once the three who had interrogated them were firmly out in the hallway. Things were not happening rapidly in the time that Ophelia had had given to the invaders. Still, they were moving, and the last few soldiers were now peacefully leaving, which was a surprise. She'd half expected a fight, and then a takeover of her vessel, since the opposers were a better armed force. Captain! Yes, what is it now, Clues? The engine room is now report again. They can get the engines working, but half power. They need a port to fix them in their proper working order. We can do patch jobs on them, though. Tell them to make do with what they have. Until we can figure this place out, we only have ourselves. And, um, what about our supplies, ma'am? How do they look, Clues? How do they look? Pirate Clues looked rather ashamed of himself, since he apparently didn't know. He'd asked simply out of reflex. Ophelia, though, was okay with that, since it gave her a moment to think. A voice then came over the loudspeaker. We will be separating from your ship now, miss. Uh, Before you do, Captain Lewis, where is your nearest space station or port that can make repairs? We can make it there on our own. This isn't a request for help. We just want directions. You didn't want help a few minutes ago. I didn't want to help forced onto my ship, and then you using that as a way to take over. This is different. A mutual cooperation between pirates. We aren't pirates anymore. That's nice. What shall I call you then? Protectors of the realm, if you want. She rolled her eyes. What a stupid name. Whatever. Are you willing to show us to a port via coordinates, or...? There was a silence that then a jolt as the two ships separated from one another. A hiss filled the ship as the new seal locked into place in the ceiling so that they wouldn't be sucked out into space via that hallway that the pirates had come in by. If you're willing to make sure that none of your guns are pointed at us... That is a promise. No guns pointed towards you... And you can lead the way or follow us, whichever way is more popular for you. It makes no difference. Good. The coordinates will be transmitted to your bridge, and we will follow you. The line of communication ended, 
as the ships got further apart, and the coordinates were then computed over to them. Once sure that the close line of communication was severed, Ophelia turned to her crewmate, who'd been talking earlier. Clues? Yes, ma'am. Let's get missiles ready, but not necessarily locked onto the ship behind us, if you would be so kind. There was a salute, and off the officer ran. She tried to keep her orders quiet, in case of a planted listening bug or anything like that. Then, not wasting any time, moved to the bridge to take command of these new coordinates that had been sent. The library had provided a rather boring effort on the part of Demon. He'd read a whole lot about the government and the Galactic One, and even his own. It, however, had not led to learning much. The librarian had said he was going to learn, and, well, he guessed he had, but this? All this knowledge got him was no closer to being able to turn the tables on the person keeping him prisoner. I want out of here. Didn't get what you wanted, then. The voice of the president made Demon jump and swing about, launching the book in his hands towards the figure. A good defensive effort that sailed right through the target, which was a mere projection. Oh, you're being mean today. And here I thought we might finally get through to your head that you need me. What do you want? I want you to do some research for me. That's why you're where you are, after all. I need to know about the black spot. Why? When do I get it from all of this? Why can't you have somebody else do it? It's a way to get treasure. What else would anyone get from any of this? Now, if you will look all of that up and get back to me by the time I return to the ship, it would be great. President Utility then blinked out, leaving Demon to figure out if he actually wanted to do this. The tiny bedroom Lion had gotten for the trip barely let him stretch fully out. It was the best he could do on an already overcrowded ship. Plenty of aliens had decided to book such a trip towards Grogian space, apparently because all of the treasure rumors were true and, well, treasure hunters were treasure hunters. Thus, there were also three others in this room, each taking up their own space and some more. Lion was laid out on his bed, half listening, half hoping to get the message from one of his compatriots via a communications line. You're going for the treasure, are you? Of course, it's what everyone is here for. What a stupid question. Yeah, why would you ask a question, mister? I did it because I know stuff. Half of these creatures will get lost along the way. They'll never find it, unlike me. Curious about this, even Lion turned to look at the long, snake-like figure that was doing this boasting. As far as he could see, though, there was nothing that would set this alien apart from any others. And these three that were so loudly talking were gathered around a small table, playing some sort of card game. What do you mean? I'm not telling you. All you two and that one over there would probably do is run around and tell everyone my secrets. They're mine, not yours. Oh, I see. You don't really have an answer, do you? 
The boastful one threw their cards down and sneered at the others. I do, but I'm smart about it. Then give us a little hint. Prove that you have some sort of way of getting there. Fine. It's simple, really. In order to get there, you need to be a pirate or know the aliens on the other side. Hearing this made Lion shuffle around so that he was now sitting on his bed and looking directly at the group. His moves drew their attention and scornful looks that he was about to intrude upon. You think that's all it takes? Who are you to interrupt our conversation? I'm Lion. I'm a pirate representative for the Galactic Empire. You? Who are you? I am Blug. I know every pirate secret there is to know, down to the fairy tales. That's good and all that, but it won't help you to get through that mire darkness that requires a big ship. How would you know that, sir? Lion turned to the second one, a squarish kind of figure of an alien that was just a square, he guessed. It's very box-like. A friend, an associate of mine, a fellow pirate recently went there. I haven't heard back, and they had a really large ship go in. There was more than a few doubtful looks about the group, who went back to ignoring Lion. You think I'm lying, right? He stood up, producing his government ID with a stamp of approval on it to show them. It was tossed onto the table for the group to see. So you work for the government, that's nice, and all. But it doesn't concern us, since all you're going to do is try and warn us off, probably. Death awaits those that don't have a good way into that space. We are stronger than that. There are ways around it. Having locked eyes with Blug, who had been so boastful before, but now was quiet, Lion grinned at him. Do you have a problem, Mr. Blug? I'm thinking about things. I don't know anyone any explanations, and I shouldn't even be talking. Then it was somebody else who told you about this, didn't they? Who was it? That's none of your business that some old talkative pirate managed to sneak some information to me and tell me all I need to know. The frown on Lion's face deepened as he decided to fully walk over to this group. It is my concern now. One of them produced a gun and pointed it towards Lion. It wasn't Blug, but one of the other ones. You're a mouthy creature for someone who doesn't know anything. I know enough that this plan of yours is going to lead you to trouble. You double-crossed this Blug because he gave you some information, and it won't work. You need more than he's provided. The other creature, who didn't have a gun, rose from their seat, throwing down their cards. They, instead, produced some sort of oblong cylinder from inside their pants' pocket and now pointed it towards the line. You choose us of this without actually knowing us. You think you're going to save this one and get his knowledge off yourself? Well, no, but I did overhear that one in the cafeteria discussing and listening in on a private conversation that Blug was having with the old pirate-looking figure. The pistol cracked and fired towards him with a hiss and a whiz, 
though the bullet did not strike Lyon. It didn't sit well with his hearing, which was now ringing a bit. Stop all of this at once, you two. No, you know stuff and won't tell the rest of us treasure hunters. I don't even know if my information is trustworthy. It isn't. Shut up, you fool. Lion grimaced, shaking his head as sound faded in and out of his ear. Who told you all about this, Mr. Blug? The creature known as Blug worriedly and hurriedly searched their mind, then came up with a nod of remembrance. An old man. Never saw him before or since. His long, gray, white hair. And, uh, that seemed to cover his entire body. He approached you. Why did he approach you? There was a shrug from Blug. You better come up with some information on this man or what he told you. Oh, well, I can help you all not front. He resides in the crew quarters. You can't miss him as everyone talks to him and about him, and he is always willing to tell stories. A look of distrust came over the other two who had been drilling Blug for this information. They had a thin layer of sweat all about them as they shifted where they were. One looked ready to leave, the other one who was holding their gun, not so much. I followed him after watching you two listen in on the conversation and talk to him myself. He's mostly open to talking if you know how to get him to talk. Then why you ask him who he was? To make sure it was the same alien. It turns out it is, and now that I have that information, I can tell you he's more than willing to talk, but it's not going to lead you where you want to go. You don't trust it? Lion shook his head at the one holding the gun, who'd asked this, and then with a sigh took a few steps back to try and calm the situation down. even put his hands up and sat back down on his pod bed. It doesn't make too much sense to me, and it sounds too easy. The air of defiance and frustration seemed to have left the room for the moment. Distrust was still there in spades, but everyone seemed to sit down again and about ready to talk about things. Lion now was not to be a part of this. The sound of a hissing door awoke the pirate captain, Pork, as he swung his chair around to see who had come to visit him. Technically, no one was supposed to be able to get into the control room as Space Station X was moving, but that was sometimes ignored, mostly never ignored, since the Space Station was never really moving all that often. When he spotted nothing from the hallway, a surge of fear went through him, with the reports of the dead pirate captain resurfacing in his mind. Who is there? An old friend. Can I come in? The sound of that voice did sound very familiar, like they were a part of his crew, but at the same time slightly fake. He didn't trust it at this moment. Announce who you are and why you're here. It is me, Coral Underblast, and I'm here to talk to you about a murder. It still sounded off, so he reached for the hidden button that would activate the defenses in the control room. His finger hovered over the button, waiting for one wrong move, and to find out why they hadn't shown themselves yet. Well, why don't you come out and show yourself? Because you're about to press the security button. I was sent here by the other pirates to sort this matter out. I didn't commit a murder. That's fine. We can talk about it and why you went to her and what you talked about. 
Pork hit the button, which didn't do much at the moment, but it made him feel safer. He then sat back into his chair and glowered at the still open doorway. It should have shut by now, but it was staying open. We discussed about how moving this station wasn't going to do much. That's not all, though. Isn't it? Then you tell me, since you probably have some evidence on this matter. Why else would you try and bother me with this? The pirates think you're plotting something, though, though the security cameras couldn't catch exactly what it is you were up to. Good for them, I suppose. You have nothing, and I can tell you nothing. A day after I met with her, I was sent up here to make sure the old barge of a station could still move. I've had no contact with anyone other than over communication lines. And that is the whole story? It is what I can tell you. There was a cold silence as the door now closed. Pork remained sitting there, waiting for something to happen. There was no way that this was the end of it all. He wasn't stupid, and so he braced himself as the door opened again, and in strolled two pirates wearing heavy armor, meant to stop bullets, along with shields to provide that extra protection. The defensive turrets whirred to life, and poked out from the ceiling, letting off bursts of round. The clash of bullets meant the shield and armor echoing about the decently sized room that felt like it was shrinking by the moment. The only way up to him, though, was through the long walkway from the door. Why are you here? Are you trying to take over the station? This is not how pirates do things. You are wanted for the murder of a pirate. You know that sort of thing is frowned upon while at the station. Your name could be cleared if you cooperate with us. Pork snarled at the doorway, which Coral still wasn't coming from. This whole group of pirates was a bunch of weaklings who merely went along with whatever someone told them about something. It's too late for that. You're interfering with the way things are done around here. We are already on course where the kings of pirates wanted it to go. Do anything to me that will cause our destruction. So you're admitting to planning all of this? No, I did not admit to that. My orders, when I got them, told me to bring the station to these coordinates, and that if anything were to happen, the station would be destroyed. And who did you get those orders from, by the way? This was a question he hadn't thought about. It was an official communication line that had opened up on his communicator, and that had been from somebody higher up. But who it was, or if it was their second command, he'd forgotten about, because the orders were to be followed, and that was that. One of the second-in-commands for the captains, the Pirate Kings. Right. Do you expect me to believe that? Yes. There was a shudder from the station, knocking things about for the moment. Reeling about, Pork moved his chair to look over the screen in the windows in front of him. He had enough confidence in the defensive system that it would keep those aliens at bay still. What's going on, computer? We are entering an area of instability that has not been plotted out on most map. However, it is on our map as a spot for emergencies. Can we survive this space storm? It looks rather clear from what I can see. It isn't a storm, but a pause in reality. That completely stumped Pork whose old mind couldn't put together what it meant. It sounded bad and weird, which for space should be normal, but at this moment it's not exactly what he needed. Can you explain what this means, please? 
we were entering a spot where it might transport us to a completely different location. There was a heavy shudder and things went bright white, blinding pork. Ophelia's ship, the Flying Squirrel, had been directed towards a nearby massive green planet that looked to be able to sustain some sort of life. They'd gone through the atmosphere of the place and kept moving easily through this no new warnings from the ship itself. They soon found themselves headed for a giant metal platform that was stuck in the middle of the sky that could easily take their vessel in. Tugboats, though, did come around to help guide them in and the ship that also was following them into the port. Once landed, none of her pirates wanted to be the first off the ship, which was understandable to Ophelia, but it also meant that she had to be the first one out, which she was not looking forward to as she adjusted her space suit. The computer system told her that the atmosphere would be okay, but why take any chance? She was headed down the gangplank already, looking at the hulking metal frame of a shipyard that was now housing her ship. Her steps were small, since everything felt off as she tried to adjust to and keep moving until she was firmly on the metal platform. A big blob rolled its way to a stop before her, with its eyes popping open once it came to a stop. The readings! Hi. What can I do for you? My ship needs repairs, if you can do that. The blob shifted its eyes to look over the vessel without moving its body. She watched as the eyes for a moment disappeared, and then came back quickly. We can make some patchwork repairs, but my crew would need to do a full check of the ship to make sure we can actually do a whole repair job. Ophelia felt that sounded off, but it was also standard procedure for any and all repairs to ships. The thing was, she wasn't sure she wanted unknown aliens aboard her vessel. Some of my crew can show you around at all times, if that is okay. Oh, of course. Your crew would be most welcome, since they would know most where most of the issues are in the first place. So that would actually make things easier. Uh, we can get started examining right away, if you don't mind. She nodded to this, since some of her crew now began to make their way down the floating platform. The blob, who had failed to introduce themselves, gave out a sharp whistle. To this, a bunch of smaller blobs began rolling down the platform towards them. There was a distinctive chatter, and then the small blobs began floating upwards towards the ship, all on their own. I suppose you and your crew want something to do while this is happening? Hmm? Oh, yes, if you can. Having been watching the blob balls, she now turned to this first one that, had that hadn't introduced itself yet. Follow me to the Dockmaster, then. As they began their trek down the long pathway to the building at the end, they found themselves joined shortly. A few of the crew from the Black Cage ship and the old man, who was captain of it, now strolled amongst them. Not liking that this captain had decided to do this, she glared over at him. Captain Lewis, how did you actually get here? And not, I mean, following us, but actually come to be here. Oh, we came through much like you did, and survived by the sheerest of luck, then managed to get to a nearby planet where we could do some repairs and came across some other helpful people. Are you stuck here, then, in this space, this area, I mean? From what I can tell, yes. We've tried several times to go towards uh, where we think an exit is, 
But, uh, no luck. And does anything happen to you when you venture too far? No, all we see is inky black space out there with no signs of life or any other planets or stars once you reach far enough, so we always turn around. Ophelia shuddered at the thought as her mind raced to think of some other things to ask. I take it then yet you've searched this whole system for the rumored treasure, since why else would you be here? Yes, up and down a couple of times to make sure it wasn't here. And how long have you been here? The tall, willowy figure with arms so long they touched the ground shrugged. Well, we've lost track of time, and it almost feels like time here is stuck on a repeated loop, so it is hard to say. And what does that mean? There is something terrible going, terribly wrong here, and we don't know what it is. Fine, one final question if you don't mind. But you wouldn't happen to be a pirate, would you? There was a long stare from the captain as they arrived at the building they'd been travelling towards. And what if I was, Am? What is so wrong with that? Oh, there's nothing wrong with being a scavenger out in space. It's how most aliens survive out here. Um, it is, however, rumoured that a group of pirates might be might have survived with the treasure and they came here to drop it off. They were stopped at the door to this building by the blob who stood in front of it. Welcome to the home of the air group. We are the pirates who have survived an accidental trip here. But not the original group? The blob opened the door, letting them into the dark space beyond. Your answers to that lie inside, miss. Realizing that no further answers were to be had by this duo, she simply stepped in with a shake of her head. A musky and dusty lobby greeted her. It was a simple place with not much to it, and every step made the metal on her feet squeal in protest. There was nothing to like about here, as she looked about for a chair or someone to greet her. The space was empty of things, and she was left standing there waiting as the door closed behind her. This didn't plunge the room into total darkness, but it did darken the space greatly. Hello, is anyone here who can answer a few questions? A decrepit shape loomed out of the shadows of the ceiling, held together by machines and connected to the ceiling itself that kept it stabilized in there. It came down so that its human face and torso, as large as they were, could see her. Hi? Pirate? Yes, I am one of those, though the entire meaning of the word seems to have kind of lost any of value. You made it through? The stuff to get here? Yes, I think so. I am here, after all. The head of this half-humanoid machine nodded along, satisfied with everything. To Ophelia, she couldn't help but realize that this figure looked similar to someone. You were, or still are, a pirate? How long have you been here if you are? The head cocked to the side, as if it thought for a moment. Yes, I am a pirate. You look familiar. You wouldn't happen to know an adult, or, or if you've been here long enough, a child by the name of Zul, would you? There was a slow nod, yes. That sounds vaguely familiar to me. End of 
Pirates, Politics, and Potentially Treasure, Book 2, Part 4. Thank you for listening.